Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. Hey there, welcome into our Week 15 episode for the regular season. Already at Week 15, man. KD, how are you enjoying this new era of Cowboys football, man, where the defense is just straight-up tormenting opposing quarterbacks, right? Like, it's kind of crazy where we're at right now. You know, it's everything that we predicted in the offseason. <laughs> exactly, this is exactly yeah. how we, we saw the season so playing out. Yep, yep. We got to Week 15, and we definitely knew that we were going to be talking about how this defense is set to carry this team into the playoffs <laughs> uh, and wondering whether or not this team – can jump on the back of the defense and actually make some noise in the playoffs because right now the offense is not clicking on any cylinder, not even all cylinders. They're barely clicking. Uh, the talent is still obviously there, but everything is off. But the defense, we have finally seen what it looks like when we have both Tank Lawrence and Randy Gregory on the field at the same time. And then, oh yeah, there happens to be a defensive player of the year that's better than both of them who can rush the, who can rush the quarterback. And that's Michael Parsons, of course. So it's fun times watching the Dallas Cowboys defense. We uh, A lot of us commented during the game on Sunday that went over Washington that, you know, the offense was struggling. We were looking forward to the defense getting back out on the field to see what they were going to be able to do. Yeah, no doubt. And that's, it's been a really long time since Cowboys fans have felt that way about the defense. It's always been put the offense out there, get a turnover so we can get the ball back to the offense. And the whole thing was to see how the offense could perform. Now it's kind of like uh, the offense is doing these three and outs. They're running on second and 10. Dak Prescott's throwing short of the sticks on third and long. Let's just get these guys off the field and see if maybe we can get a defensive touchdown because that might be our best chance to score right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's very exciting to have a good defense, to have a great defense. But yeah, it would be nice if it was combined with the offense that we saw through the first half of the season. Yeah, no, just cue us up from back in, in August, right? Go back and, and check out those episodes. We were definitely like, you know, December 15th. By then, hopefully the offense catches that defense, man. Hopefully they can just catch up. That's exactly what we were saying. Uh, friendly reminder yeah, to... Yeah, uh, Yeah, 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 no doubt. Friendly <laughs> reminder to our listeners, hit that subscribe button for us. We appreciate you. Just search the Cowboys Wire, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever works best for you. It feels like Cowboys fans are very, very concerned about Dak Prescott and the offense, and I want to get there, but this is a good thing, right? This is a good thing when when you have uh, when when your best player is Micah Parsons, and I think we're getting to the point where we could say, "Man, the best player on the Cowboys is Micah Parsons." Like it's not it's not just oh, look at this upcoming rookie; he might be your best player. It's not the worst thing in the world when your best players are on defense and you can rely on your defense. This is like an interesting shift for the Cowboys that yeah, we didn't see coming, but you know, people are freaking out about the offense, KD. But I think this is actually a good thing for them. Yeah, and I actually um, just put out my most recent player power rankings uh, for Week 15, and Michael Parsons did take the top spot. Uh, It's been a position that's been held uh, almost religiously by offensive players. I started running this in 2018, and the only defensive player that has ever been in the top spot has been DeMarcus Lawrence, and he reigned for two weeks back in 2018. Other than that, it's been uh, Ezekiel Elliott for a couple stretches back in 2018. But for the last three years, it's been flip-flopping between Zach Martin and Dak Prescott. And with Dak's recent issues uh, and with the trouble that the offensive line has had, it hasn't really been Zach Martin problems, but you can clearly see, and, and I wrote this up, 
continuity along the offensive line matters. There's no position group that depends on each other more than the offensive line. So with all of the issues that they're having at right tackle, deciding whether it's going to be Terrence Dale or Lyle Collins, moving one guy in and one guy out of the lineup, the problems at center, we've seen some hiccups in Zach Martin's performance. It's not egregious. He's still, you know, probably a top five offensive lineman, but there's been a little bit of chink in the armor, and that was just enough space for the way that Mike Parsons is playing to go ahead and bull rush right through that opening and take over the top spot. So I imagine that over the next several years, we're going to have a lot of flip-flop between you know, Parsons and Martin on who the best player is. But right now, Parsons is playing at a level where clear-cut defensive rookie of the year, at least top three or four candidate for defensive player of the year, and I think it's very close between him, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and uh, even Nick Bosa. But, you know, you can even make the argument that if you're talking about most valuable player, which never goes to anybody but a quarterback, that he is the Cowboys' most valuable player as well because the way that he's impacting the games, we haven't seen anything like that on defense in a very long time. DeMarcus Ware wasn't even this impactful when he was getting his 20 sacks. This is just otherworldly what we're seeing out of Michael Parsons right now. No, it's unbelievable, and it, and it takes a lot for you to rank him uh, ahead of Zach Martin because I know how you feel about Zach Martin. For, so for you to, to send Parsons to the moon above Zach Martin, like that just tells it all. <laughs> that tells it all. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Micah, Micah Parsons is your best player right now. He, he has to be. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Cowboys fans are, are worried that that's an indictment on the quarterback, right? Uh, and, and that's where... Let's shift the conversation that way, right? It, you know, is Dak healthy enough, KD, physically, mentally, whatever, to lead Dallas to the Super Bowl? We now have these two neat little six-game samples, right? Pre- and post-calf injury. And since the calf injury, his passing yards have dropped by about 40 yards per game. His yards per attempt have gone down by about two yards. His TD to interception ratio has gone way down from 16 to 4 to 8 to 6. Um and, uh, you know, that's the most jarring stat, I think, you know, along with the win-loss record being right at 500 is that that drop in touchdown passes um, and the uptick in interceptions. So how concerned are you about the quarterback right now, right? Everyone keeps telling us he's fully healthy. You know, the coach, the owner, Dak himself, everyone's telling us he's healthy. So does that mean there's something going on between the ears right now with him? Like, because something's gone on in the last six weeks. He has not been the same guy. So how concerned are you? It's one of those situations where it's the same way that there are saying that Ezekiel Elliott is, is fully healthy. We know that he's not. We know that he has a knee injury, but is it going to keep him out of practice? Is it going to keep him out of the game? No, so he's not on the injury report. Right. That's kind of what happens with Dak Prescott. We know that there is something clearly wrong based on that calf injury. He is you know, technically not going to miss any practice that he wouldn't miss in any other way, but clearly he's hobbled. There's no I, – I don't even know how to how – to, say it any other way there's clearly something wrong with him when he when you see a quarterback that can throw on the run like Dak Prescott can when you see a quarterback that can scramble out of the pocket like Dak Prescott can and none of that is happening his accuracy is off when he scrambles he's not taking off it looked like he was stuck in molasses when he had some opportunities to run in this past game clearly there is something going on where either his leg is hurt or he has lost the confidence in himself. Whatever way you want to phrase it, he doesn't feel secure in doing the things that he has been capable of doing in the past. And I made this point on a, uh, on a radio spot earlier in the week. Maybe it's just the idea that we've gone through the season, and while his uh, reconstructed leg was healthy to start the year, we've now played 15 weeks, and maybe the wear and tear of the football season on that reconstructed leg, that ankle, it's just hard for him to do things right now. And he might need 
a whole year to be back fully where it doesn't, the grind of the football season doesn't affect them to that point. So then you go from there and you say, okay, well, if you don't feel like you can do these things with your body, how does that affect the way that you approach every other thing that you do with the way that you throw your mechanics, the mentality, the risk you take, all of those things kind of compound into what we're seeing out of Dak Prescott and then throw into the fact that he's had wide receivers in and out of the lineup because of COVID and because of injury. The offensive line continues to shuffle in front of him. Ezekiel Elliott is not healthy. They're not getting the run, uh, the, the run game that they used to, and defenses are playing them differently. So while you can say, yes, he does look injured, that compounds with all of those other factors into the offense that we're seeing now. That's why you can't just say, oh, well, he's injured, so that's what it is. Well, he's injured, which means that teams are playing them differently because the offensive line is also injured and the wide receivers are dropping passes and running incorrect routes. And all of this is leading to a bunch of confusion for the offense. And it's all of it put together, not just one thing. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Dak defender. I've, I've been, you know, because you see, even when he's not playing as, as hot as he has, He's still making some ridiculous throws every game, and some of some course, of these throws yeah. he makes. But that mean that pick six in the fourth quarter, right, Katie? You look at that and you're like, oh man, what is going on yeah, here? That was right, bad. that was like laughably bad. Yeah. Like, what was that? You know. So every now and then you have these moments with Dak. It's like, whoa, 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 dude! I can't even defend that play. Like, how do I defend that? So yeah, I, I, you just wonder if it's it's like a mental issue. There's something going on between the ears or something that just he needs needs to click back on, right? Because that that pick in the fourth quarter was whoa boy, that was scary. Yeah, and there, and there were other plays throughout the game. I mean, there you know he had the two interceptions where he sailed the first one, uh, and it was intercepted by Landon Collins, and he had the one where he completely missed the linebacker coming underneath. Um, but there were other passes that, that he was just completely off schedule with his receivers that should have been intercepted that were dropped by Washington. Uh, so it could have easily been, you know, we talk about turnover worthy plays. That's how, uh, you know, pro football phrases it. Um, interceptable passes is something that uh, the, the football scientist Joyner used to call them. But basically they're plays where you got away with it. But if the defense was on their game, you would have thrown an interception. And we've seen that. And we've, we've had that over the years. It's not like Dak Prescott plays a perfect game all the time. But the issue is that right now he's lumping together bad games and he's having some okay instances in the middle. He was, uh, you know, great against Atlanta. Um, He wasn't, you know, too bad against New Orleans. There were definitely some great throws against New Orleans, but we're just seeing this level of consistency that is far below what he's used to putting out there. Uh, So you have to, uh, you know, Jerry Jones called it a slump. I don't see how you call it anything but that, but you know, there's other people responsible as well. Kellen Moore, the quarterback coach, their job is to have Dak Prescott playing at his best. And if he's unable to do that, some of that onus falls on the coaching staff as well. So, again, a lot of different pieces to, you know, to try to dissect what's going on. Um, but the Cowboys offense have to play better at the end of the day. They have to figure it out. We'll keep picking through uh, where this Cowboys team is at with our questions of the week right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. The fantasy football playoffs are upon us in most formats, so let's dive right in. Quarterback Tua Tonga-Bailoa, Miami Dolphins versus New York Jets. First of all, the Jets have picked off a league low four passes in 2021, and the position has averaged 15.6% more points per game than average in the last five weeks when facing this defense. Tua comes off his bye with a COVID-riddled backfield that could lead to extra passing attempts. 
The Dolphins are healthy enough at wide receiver and tight end, though, and feature a promising rookie in Jalen Waddle to give the Jets trouble. Tonga Vailoa went for 22.3 fantasy points in the Week 11 meeting, which was his best performance in the last five weeks. Sony Michelle, Los Angeles Rams versus Seattle Seahawks. This one's a little bit dicey just because of the situation. Running back Daryl Henderson has a thigh injury and was also placed on the COVID list last week, and he's uncertain for Week 15. Michelle has a strong matchup ahead and could be relied upon even more if Odell Beckham Jr. cannot clear the COVID protocols as well. In the last five weeks, running backs have averaged 34.2% more fantasy points per game versus Seattle than the league average. Both Henderson and Michelle scored in the Week 5 meeting, and the position has produced six different 20-plus point performances against this defense since that contest. Wide receiver Marquise Brown, Baltimore Ravens versus Green Bay Packers. Ever since tallying 116 yards on nine catches against the Vikings, Brown has averaged 46 yards on six receptions and no touchdowns in the last four. That's just 7.7 yards per catch. Not good. His speed could be an issue for the Packers, though, as they have allowed receptions for touchdowns of 79 yards, 54 yards, 46 yards, and 54 yards just in the last two games. And two of those came on short passes. There's some upside here with Brown Sunday, regardless of whether it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley throwing his way. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, Washington football team at Philadelphia Eagles. Seals-Jones returned from injury last week only to stink up the joint with one catch on his four-target performance. The Eagles have been exceptionally generous to tight ends in 2021, and no team is given up more catches, yards, or scores to the position. That's the triple crown in fantasy football matchups. If there's such thing as a get-right game for a career backup, this would have to be it. Quarterback Taylor Heineke's knee injury is worth monitoring, but he is expected to play. In your pursuit of a championship, be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-522. 4700 in Colorado. All right, it's that time of the show. Our questions of the week. A lightning round for KD. He is not prepped on these. Oh, I got some real good you know, heaters coming at you, KD, so look out. Hope you got your helmet on, my man. Bring it. All right, question number one. Uh, yeah, right. These are softballs, my man. All right, question number one. The Cowboys <laughs> had brand new glistening heated benches. I mean, those things look beautiful. Shiny heated benches. Made and shipped to Washington for Sunday's game. Have you seen a more boss move, you know, maybe all season or maybe in your career covering football? Like, has there been a more boss move than that? Well, you know, if you're going to come home, you might as well bring some furniture. <laughs> Very good. And it's home away from home when they've been at FedEx. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Washington fans don't want to see that team, which is why the Cowboys fans take that stadium over each and every time. It was so loud for Cowboys. Yeah, over, yeah, if you're going to have company over, you have to have furniture that they can sit on. So that's exactly what happened. Um, I was very proud of the way that the Cowboys uh, kind of put their foot down. And it was a thumb nose at Washington and, and the fact that they could do that. Uh, but honestly, we know how dilapidated a stadium FedEx field is. It's a horrible venue. It's absolutely bonkers. They have sewage leaking out from the, you know, from the roof on top of the fans, the field. Thankfully, nobody got injured this game, but we know the history of the FedEx field uh, turf and how many people just get these non-contact injuries on that. I mean, for heaven's sake, we had a quarterback 
that got knocked out of the game and on his way off the field, he picked up a pair of scissors that were laying on the turf. <laughs> no doubt. Like, yes, yes. Th- it, is, it is the most trash experience that you could ever have at a football stadium. So by all means, if the Cowboys needed to make themselves feel like, you know, the, the comforts of home, bringing the benches, bringing some pictures, hang them on the wall in the locker room. I, I'm all for it. I forgot about the freaking scissors, man. Jesus, you're right. There were scissors, scissors on the field. <laughs> all right. Uh, question number two. Love or hate Mike McCarthy saying, not that we expect to win, not that we're preparing to win, but that we will win in Washington to the media prior to last week's game. Do you, did you love or hate the guarantee, Katie? If you know, you know. That's what it comes down to. He knew his team was going to be watched. And I mean, anybody that's really objective saw how much better the Cowboys were. Even the way that they've been playing recently, they are a far superior roster than what Washington has. And, you know, there was some gamesmanship involved in that. And Mike McCarthy was trying to motivate his own team. But I am all for stating what your purpose is and and basically uh, willing it into existence, speaking it into existence. And that's what Mike McCarthy did. He had every bit of confidence that his team was the better team. You know, Ron Rivera, the coach of the Washington football, football team, said he's trying to get in our heads. Well, Ron, you keep talking about it. He clearly got in your head. So if he, if he wasn't in your head, you would have dismissed him and just moved on. But you kept talking about it. You kept going back and forth. And then you came out and you were down 24 to nothing at halftime. So clearly, absolutely, Mike McCarthy was in the right for that guarantee. I love it. I'm a bigger fan of the guarantee and shipping the benches over to the field uh, than I am of what the Raiders did in, in Arrowhead, kind of doing the dance on the logo, the stomping on the logo right. thing. That, yeah. that thing, that, that doesn't work for you. That actually fires up the other team. But, uh, you know, this I think – I'm, not, I'm just not a huge fan of motivating the other side. Katie, you know me. I'm out here in New England. So, you know, whatever Belichick says, that's what we believe. Belichick doesn't believe you <laughs> should do this kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't help it. Well, I, the Cowboys I, were so much better than Washington. It didn't matter what McCarthy was going to say. They were going to win this ballgame. I promise you that Mike McCarthy would not have said that to Bill Belichick's team. I mean, you, you, you got to know your audience. Yeah. And Washington was a team. They had won four in a row, but it was, you know, like they had the one win over Tampa. But honestly, nobody that's a real football guy was watching that Washington team and saying they really have a chance. Now the networks were playing it up. Oh, look they at tried. the newest challenger yep. to the Cowboys. And, you know, that's what they do. And it, it was Philly a couple of weeks ago. Philly was hot. And then they were the challengers to the Cowboys. Because it's the NFC East, everybody, all the fans are on the East Coast. They want to build up the drama in the division. So everybody jumped on that. But Mike McCarthy's answer was, come on, guys. We're plus 44 in the NFC East in two games this year. Um, If they didn't really, you know, choke down the stretch and just give up some some points that really didn't matter, they would have beat this team by 20-plus points as well. And, and, I mean, honestly, that's they were – they were plus 20 as far as the performance on the field, but the Cowboys kind of let their foot off the gas and had that big pick six mistake that Dak Prescott made. Uh, but outside of that, they truly dominated that game, and he, he knew what it was. Yeah, it was blowout city at halftime. And, and that was and that's a great segue into question number three. Now, in the preseason, everybody was talking up the Giants. It wasn't the Washington football team, Katie. It was the Giants, right? Leg- as that legitimate threat to Dallas in the NFC East. Now, i got to give you credit because you were writing, tweeting, shouting from the rooftops that no 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 the giants are the same old giants they're not they're not going to be a threat to the cowboys this year so i got to give you credit because i know you didn't waver on that at all but people were saying you know kenny galladay they drafted Kadarius tony they they had saquon barkley coming back they had a lot of positive juju coming their way and it's just uh you know as you would say an abject failure right over in the giants just it's a it's a tailspin (laughs) over there we're going to see it firsthand this week so the giants were getting talked up 
as a legitimate threat, has that ship sailed? Do you think this group will ever figure it out and challenge the Cowboys? And, no, and, and who is the Cowboys' biggest long-term threat in the division? The Cowboys' biggest long-term threat in the, in the division is the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> the Cowboys... Who can you pick? Look, I, I, I mean, what, what are you going to say? I mean, I guess you could say because of the dual threat nature that Jalen Hurts presents that you could see that team potentially being that. I think the, the yeah, Eagles I'd say have Philly. a I'd say yeah, Philly. They they have a strong they have a strong chance of making the wild card. I think Washington is going to fade down the stretch. But those two games between Washington and Philly are going to basically determine uh, who the number 7 seed is and I don't think they'll make noise in the playoffs, but I still do think that long-term Jalen Hurts is the biggest threat. And you go with who the quarterback is. I don't believe in Taylor Heineke. I certainly don't believe in Daniel Jones, <laughs> although I would like to see him get whatever's going on with his neck taken care of because yeah. you don't want to see anybody's career derailed by injury. And the fact that they keep hoping that he's going to play each week leads me to believe that it's not like a career-threatening type of situation. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's always scary when you're dealing with somebody with a neck. But pure football-wise, he's not good. And that's why I had no fear over the Giants. He's not good. He turns over the ball way too much. Um, now he, you know, clearly he has injury issues. Saquon Barkley keeps getting these injuries and he does not look like anything like the, you know, half a season that that the Giants got out of him that was spectacular. You know, the kid Tony is really interesting. He's been injured his rookie year. Um, there's just no reason to believe in the Giants. Washington, uh, their defense got better when they lost their best players. So you kind of wonder what that uh, dynamic is like. Because uh, there were, you know, in Washington, there was there were a lot of rumbles about his uh, Chase Young's leadership and his the way that he went about being the best player on that team. And then he went out, and the defense got better immediately when he was out of the lineup. Um, so you kind of just wonder about what these other teams are made up made up of. And I think that the Cowboys they have a basically a three year window. All of their contracts are structured to go through 2024 this year, next year, the following year. Uh, you just really see the Cowboys as being the cream of the crop in the NFC East uh, and only injuries and, you know, their, their, their own penchant for self-destruction could stop that from happening. Well, they're the cream of the crop in this matchup with the Giants this week, at least coming on the road. They're huge favorites. We'll tell you uh, what the spread is and give our take on it right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are getting three and a half points at home. The total's 43 and a half. I'm on the Chicago Bears getting three and a half points because Matt Nagy Chicago Bears are five and one straight up and four and two against the spread since he became head coach in 2018. Also, I think Chicago's running game will be able to help out their rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. Minnesota's defense has the second worst rushing success rate. I'm on the bank of the Bears getting three and a half at home. Nate, how do you play this game? So I'm on the over here. Justin Fields showed what he's capable of against a good Packers defense last week and Chicago's top 20 and four of their last six games. Also, Dalvin Cook ran over the Steelers and the Bears don't have a great rush defense. Give me the over 44 and a half points. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. 
See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Cowboys. Ten and a half point road favorites against the Giants this week. Ten and a half points, KD. And I don't think that number is big enough. Ten and a half. Uh, that's just my gut. I mean, the, the Giants, they're in the middle of a late season tailspin. This defense, this Dallas defense, is going to get either Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm. And and it's gotten so bad for the Giants, KD, that, that Giants fans actually want Jake Fromm. And it's like, do not put Jake Fromm on this field against this defense. Please don't. Don't do it, Giants. Just put Glennon out there. Just put Glennon out there. Uh, I think this is gonna. This has got blowout written all over it. You know, like I'm sure this line's kind of h- hanging near ten because Dallas is going on the road. And yes, they haven't looked you know amazing on offense, KD. But I think this has blowout city written all over it. Do you agree? Yes, yeah, it's, it's really hard to envision a way for the Cowboys to um, to lose this game to even have a close contest. Uh, First off, just by the nature of the teams at full strength. I mean, the Cowboys, uh, they're going to be missing Tyron Smith. He's already been ruled out. He has this ankle injury uh, that he suffered uh, early in the season and then it was aggravated against Washington. So they ruled him out basically immediately this week. Uh, there's hope that Tony Pollard returns to the game uh, to give them that dynamic threat in the backfield. But he was supposed to practice. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday. He was supposed to practice on Wednesday. He didn't. I still think there's a chance that they that he could be available, but I'm honestly saying why even risk it? Give him the extra week of rest. Heck, give Ezekiel Elliott the week off. Let Corey Clement and uh, Edo Smith and sure. Jaquan Hardy, let them let them handle the duties back there. Uh, the, the biggest reason that Elliott still plays through all of this is because of the fact that that he protects Dak Prescott better than any of the other guys. And and at the end of the day, that's right now in the NFL, the most important job of the running back is to make sure that the quarterback is able to play the entirety of the game. So I think that the Cowboys um, are in a great position head to head. And then when you throw into it, the fact that the Giants are now the latest team to have the COVID bug uh, kind of run through the entire team. Now they're really down because, you know, there there's Tony and McKinney and some of the other star players on the team are now, looking like they're going to miss this game. So, you know, depending on how it all breaks down in the next several days, the Giants could be extra shorthanded, just like Washington is, just like Cleveland is, as COVID really runs through a lot of NFL teams right now. And the Cowboys clearly have already gone through their COVID stretch, knock on wood. They won't go through a third one. Uh, They're the only team that has two outbreaks where it affects 10 or more people within a month. Uh, So hopefully they're done for the year. Uh, But it's really running through a lot of teams in the NFL and the Giants are in the crosshairs right now as well. Yeah, it's it's running through the NHL and the NBA, too. (laughs) COVID's been a problem. Yeah, Uh, it's become a problem. It's a little scary. Yeah, I just I just look at this matchup. I think ten and a half. I I would back the Cowboys at that number because this Cowboys defensive line against that Giants O-line with Mike Lennon under center. It's just uh, oh, man, Uh, Micah Parsons and company. They're licking their chops. Uh, so, yeah, so I like that. Oh, I, I, have, I have a prediction. Go. Yeah, I have a prediction it. for you. Give it to me. Will Hernandez will try to fight somebody. <laughs> the Giants guard. Okay. If he's playing, I don't even know if he's on the COVID list, but if he's playing in the game, he absolutely will want to fight somebody because he is one of the worst linemen in the league. He's pissed off that he's not with the Cowboys. He tries to fight somebody every week, but he especially tries to fight them Cowboys. And what they're going to do to him, whew, he is going to want to fight somebody. Yeah. I am telling you, Ryan, Five units. Five units. Oh, Bet you were three farm. last week. Yeah. Bet the farm. <laughs> I they got it. this. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. <laughs> five units. That might be, I don't know if I have enough money in my account. I might just uh, do a little replenishing. <laughs> Get five units back in. It's been a tough season. Uh, the total, 44 and a half. 
That's a low number for a Cowboys game, KD, right? And I know the Cowboys haven't been scored yeah, like the Cowboys, but that's a low number. Yeah, that's the thing. They don't think that the Giants can score at all. And and uh, and and it was funny on on uh, 105.3, uh, the fan they were talking about. Would you bet on the Giants to win if you guaranteed that Dak threw a pick six and two other interceptions, and they still couldn't guarantee that they thought the Giants could win? <laughs> yeah, the Giants can't is. score. They kick they kick field goals all day long, and 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 I expect that to be the case. The Giants might get to 11, and so if the Cowboys can't score 35, then yeah, I take the under. But I'd stay away from the over under just because you never quite know. But I would definitely bet on the spread. There it is, five units on 10.5 for the Cowboys. I love it. So uh, for KD Drummond, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the game this week. Hit subscribe if you could, and we will talk to you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.